Well, as we get into the message today, I've got to tell you, many of you have met my wife, Mel. Mel is the funny one in our family, and very often we'll be at home, and I will just hear her laughing from somewhere in the house, and usually either a friend has sent her a video, or she's come across something funny, or the kids were doing something funny, and it helps loosen me up because I can get a little serious. About two years ago, I heard Mel laughing from the other side of the house. She was laughing so hard. I had to go over and see what it was all about. And it was this viral video of a kind of parenting fail. If you're a parent or a grandparent, you're going to relate to this big time. Uh, And it's just one of those worst case scenarios that happened live on international TV. So go ahead and take a look and feel free to laugh along. Okay, we have got to show you this viral video that is making the rounds this morning. This is during a live shot on a very serious subject of North Korea, and we have all been here. (laughs) Parents, beware. Watch this. This is the triumph of democracy. Scandals happen all the time. The question is, how do democracies respond to those scandals? Uh, and what will it mean for, uh, for, for the wider region? I think one of your children has just walked in. I mean, shift, shifting, yeah, yeah. shifting sands in the region, do the relations with the North may change? Um, I would be surprised if they do. The, um, pardon me. My apologies. What will this mean for the region? My apologies. Uh, wait, wait, wait for it. Wait, um, there it is. North Korea, North, uh, South Korea's policy choices on North Korea. We are told that that is the man's wife that came flying in to save the day. Oh, my gosh. Any, anybody, first of all, don't ever do a live shot from your home. I think we've, we've learned that. Anybody with little kids can relate to this moment. You're trying to have a conference call or something, and your children saunter in with relish. I love how that little one enters the room. Yes, she comes in with complete confidence, which you expect of kids, and then the toddler comes behind, and that's, I hated those things that they would walk around. Oh, I love They destroyed those everything. But to me, the story isn't the kids. It's the wife. That is a good wife she comes flying in there takes one for the team sense of urgency respect there was definitely a sense of urgency there oh my gosh and look at him he stayed trained he didn't turn around he was professional he is a professor um, of political science at, in south korea <laughs> you know can you imagine being on international tv like the one time in your life And that's what happens. But I want to talk with you about those times when life doesn't go as you expected. And of course, we can laugh at that because it wasn't us. But here's what we're asking today. What can you do when your world shifts or shakes? I don't know where in life you've had uh, something unexpected, unwanted, something that didn't go the way you planned. If you're alive and breathing, chances are there's been something in the last week and there are things in each of our lives where our world just shifts or it shakes. And we're trying to figure out how, how do we be stable? How do we keep moving forward? Uh, maybe you're like me. I, I have known some different people in my life. I remember growing up, our family, we had this family friend And he had gone through something. It was actually a health condition one of his relatives had. And when his world shifted and shook, he just never quite recovered from it. Uh, We all know those people who they've been through something difficult and they just never quite get over it. And then we know those other people who've been through really difficult things and maybe the scars even show on their body, but somehow 
they grow stronger through it. Somehow in that difficulty, they're able to kind of rise above it. I've learned that change always leads to one of two things in our lives. We either grow or we have a setback. And change is inevitable. And so the question is, how do we make sure when change does come into our lives that we actually grow, that we actually move forward? How do we stay focused on what matters and keep moving forward? Well, we're going to look into God's Word to answer this. And it's a really interesting answer to this question because the context of this is written to a young Christian, a guy named Timothy, who was leading a church in a city called Ephesus, and his mentor, Paul the Apostle, is writing to him. And this is Paul's final letter. Paul knows he's about to go to heaven, and Paul warns Timothy. He says, Timothy, as you try to follow Jesus, there's going to be difficult times. And here's what you can do when your world shifts and shakes. The passage starts this way. Mark this, there will be terrible times, okay? Good news, everyone, there will be terrible times, all right? There will be terrible times in the last day. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. People will be boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful for what they've been given, unholy in their relationship to God. They'll be without love. They'll be unforgiving. They'll be slanderous. They'll be without self-control. Thank you, Paul. This is super encouraging. The list goes on. It says this, people will be brutal, not lovers of what is good. They'll be treacherous, they'll be rash or impulsive. They will be conceited, not humble or teachable. They will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And some of these people will even pretend to be Christians or followers of Jesus. They'll have a form of godliness, but they won't have the power of Jesus. Now, obviously, this is the negative part of the text, okay? And this relates to when our world shifts or shakes. And Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, as you try to follow Jesus, there's going to be times when people who are all these negative things interrupt the work of God, when they discourage you, when they actually come in and even destroy the work of God. There will be times when some of them even pretend to be a Christian and they come in and they just do spiritual damage and emotional damage. And the list goes on and it says this in verse 13, some of these will be evildoers and even imposters. They'll go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So here's the problem. Now what's the solution? Paul's gonna say, here's how you as a follower of Jesus can stay stable and secure when your world shakes because of the people around you. And here's the answer starting in verse 14. But as for you, and we often point out here that, you know, we can't control what the people around us do. Whether it's national level politicians or the neighbor across the street, we can't control what people around us do, but we always can control what we do. And God doesn't expect us to be responsible for other people's choices, but he does tell us we're responsible for ours. And Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, when your world shakes because of evil people around you, you won't be able to control them. But as for you, focus on yourself in that, in that sense. And here's what you can do. You continue in what you've learned. In other words, in the teachings of Jesus, continue in that. So the more your world shifts or shakes, the more you say, okay, how does Jesus call me to live? That's my center. That's my stability. That's what will keep me secure when everything around me shakes. Continue in what you've learned and what you've become convinced of. 
And in Timothy's case, Paul says, you have uh, known these things for a long time. In fact, from infancy, Timothy was raised by a mom and a grandma who loved Jesus. Uh, In fact, if you're a single mom or a single grandma, Timothy's a great inspiration because Timothy, apparently his dad either was out of the picture or was not a follower of Jesus, but his mom and grandma raised him to love the Lord. And Paul says, don't forget all the things you've learned and that you've known from the Holy Scriptures, that is the Word of God or the Bible. These things, the Holy Scriptures, are able to make you wise for salvation through your faith in Jesus Christ. And now Paul's gonna add a little more on to what keeps you stable when the world shakes around you. And Paul says this in verse 16. He says that all Scripture is God-breathed. In other words, the words in this book, the Bible, they're not just ancient words They're historically valid, but they're even more than that. They're supernatural. They're living and they're breathing. And when you breathe in the words of God into your soul, they bring life and they can bring you power and stability. When you don't know what to do, they'll bring you direction. When you know what to do, but you don't have the power to do it, the word of God will bring you power. These words are actually breathed of God and they're, they're kind of mystical and supernatural in that sense, but they're also really practical. They're useful for your very real decisions of what do I do in this job? What do I do in this dating relationship? How do I parent this child? How do I be a better spouse? How do I deal with my shame? How do I deal with my guilt? How do I forgive that person who wronged me? Well, there are God-breathed words in this book that if you will take them in, They will practically help you in all those situations and in any situation you can face. They're useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in right living or righteousness so that the servant of God, that's you, may be thoroughly equipped, have every tool you need to do the work of God in your life. So what's the answer to our question of what can you do when your life is shifting or shaking? Here's the answer according to this passage. Scripture will stabilize you and scripture will strengthen you when your world shifts or shakes. Now, some of you are in here and you've experienced that. And so you're like, oh yeah, I remember when I was in the hospital and I thought I was gonna die and God gave me a verse and I just clung to that verse and that's what got me through it. Some of you are like, oh yeah, I get this. Others of you, and you're not unspiritual if you feel this way, you're like, okay, I get the idea but I've never experienced that before. And if that's you, I just wanna encourage you to stay engaged with this message because you can start to experience this. There was a time in my life, if you're thinking, okay, that's just like a big old book of old stories and I don't understand it. How is that gonna stabilize me? How's that gonna help me in a time of crisis? If that's what you're feeling, I have felt that way too. There was a time in my life where this idea didn't make sense to me. But as I stepped out in faith and said, okay, God, if you say this is what will stabilize me and help me, I'm gonna look into your word. I'm gonna seek your word. Give me the wisdom I need in these crisis decisions and in these difficulties. And I've now experienced this and I wanna share it with you today in a way that you can experience it too. The reality is that as a follower of Jesus, your salvation, your relationship with God depends completely on your faith and the the moment in your life that we learned about last week where you say, this I know, Jesus loves me, this I know. 
and you having that moment where you say, I believe in Jesus for me. In fact, last weekend was so fun because we had two people who made that decision for the first time in their life during our services last week. Uh, We had 44 people baptized, but one of them, he came up after the Saturday night service, he's 19 years old, and he just had tears running down his face, and he said, I've known about Jesus, but today's my day where I decide for me, I need Jesus to forgive my sins. Such an awesome moment. Uh, After the 11.15 on Sunday, we had a a middle-aged man come forward, and he said, I've been in church for about 10 years. And I've always just kind of gone along with it because it's what my wife believes. But this week, I've decided for myself. Jesus is my Lord. He's my Savior. He's the God of my life. And I've claimed him to forgive my sins. And I could just see in his eyes, he had a new identity, a new life, a new birth. And to do that, you don't have to memorize the Bible. You don't have to know a bunch of scripture to become a follower of Jesus and to be eternally saved and secure. But as you get adopted into the family of God, now as a follower of Jesus, the scriptures are what will keep you plugged into the power to live a new life in all these different areas of your life, your career, your finances, your health, your thoughts, your emotions, your habits, your, your old things that you regret, all that stuff. How do you now live in this new way of life? Well, the word of God will guide you into this new way of life. We talked at the beginning of this series about these core essentials of the Christian faith and how they plug us in to God's power. You might remember if you were here on week one, I told you a story of a time when I was traveling to Europe uh, when I was a journalist and I had an American power plug and I was trying to plug it into the wall, but in Europe, the outlets are shaped differently. And I learned this, that plugging into power is not complicated. You don't have to have a PhD. You don't have to know much, but it is precise. There's these two or three prongs. They've got to be in the right place. And we learned that when it comes to connecting into the power of God to change our lives through Jesus, it also is not complicated. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to memorize the Bible. You don't have to learn a whole bunch of things. But there are a few really important things that do need to be in the right place. And so to learn those few things, we've used this very simple kid's song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And what we're learning in this series is that you can kind of carry around the core beliefs of Christianity just by knowing this song. Whether you're tucking in your grandchild at night and they say, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Or you're sitting on an airplane next to a coworker or you're laying on your back in one of those MRI machines where they put you in to scan your head and you're wondering, uh, who am I? What do I believe? This little song captures all the essentials of Christianity. And we've learned every word is rich with meaning. We've learned this so far. We've learned that Jesus, when we say that, we mean that he's the one true God or the Messiah. He's not just a good man. He's God on earth. And that's why he has the power to save our sins. We've learned that when we said he loves us, it doesn't just mean that God has warm feelings toward you. That's true. But God showed his love in action when he came down and willingly died on the cross for your mistakes and mine. We learned that when we say Jesus loves me, part of that word me is that I need help from above. Yes, I'm glorious because I'm made in the image of God, and so are you. You are inherently valuable. 
And there's no mistake you can ever make or that anyone can ever do to you that would take away your eternal value. You're made in the image of God. And yet every one of us is also corrupted or broken to some extent by what God calls sin, either sins that we've done or that others have done to us. And we looked at those classic cars that were worth millions of dollars, even though they were decayed and rusted and wouldn't start up and work, they were still inherently valuable because of who made them and what they were. And that's true of every human being, whether they're in their mother's womb or an old, old person at a retirement home, Every person of every tribe and tongue and nation, of every nationality, of every religious belief system, every person with disabilities, all people are made in the image of God and inherently valuable because God says so. And yet, all of us are also broken by sin. And so that's why we need this good news of Jesus. That's why we need his work on the cross. So we're glorious ruins, but we're being restored. Jesus loves me and then we talked about those words, this I know, and the importance, just like that, that guy after the 1115 service last week when he said, I've been in church for 10 years, I've heard all this stuff, but today's my day where I believe it for me. And when we say Jesus loves me, this I know, it means this isn't just some belief system for other people, this is my identity, this is my belief, and I've believed in Jesus as my Lord to give me my identity and my forgiveness from my mistakes. And today, we're wrapping up with this final phrase of the short little song, for the Bible tells me so. For the Bible tells me so. It doesn't mean that we believe all these things just because the Bible tells us so. Now, the Bible does tell us all these things, and the Bible is always true in what it says. But we believe these things because we've experienced them in our lives. We've seen the power We've seen the change in ourselves and in others. But for the Bible tells me so, it affirms these things and it tells us here's what we need to believe about Jesus. Here's what we need to believe about his love. And then the Bible, as a follower of Jesus, we make it the authority or the standard for what we do and believe. In other words, every time we hit a fork in the road of decision in life, what do I do with my sexuality? What do I do with my finances? What do I do with my past hurts? What do I do with my time? What do I do with my life? Every time we reach a fork in the road of decision or of crisis, we look to the word of God and we say, God, you've revealed your heart here. And we learned in me that my heart is often deceitful. I can't trust my own heart, but I can trust the heart of God. So anytime there's a crisis or a moment of decision, I will look to the word of God and say, God, you tell me what to do because your word leads to life and freedom. And very often what I think is best actually leads to death or to destruction. So that's what we mean when we say, for the Bible tells me so. And my heart for you as a brother in Christ is I want you to grow in this life-changing power. There's so much power in this book to introduce change and growth into every area of your life. But if it's closed and on a shelf, you're not gonna be plugging into that power. You're not gonna see the radical change and growth that God wants to bring into every area of your life. Well, let's look back for all the car people in the room and all the motorheads at uh, probably my favorite picture from our pictures last week, this uh, 1960s Jaguar that was found in this condition and in this state was worth $80,000. 
Now, underneath that tarp is the hood and the engine and a bunch of the missing parts, worth $80,000 just like this because it's a glorious ruin. And yet someone loved it enough to spend $80,000 on it, but also loved it enough to then restore it. And we saw that after 3,000 hours of work, this is the exact same car. We saw that every piece of metal on that car was sanded and sandblasted. It was cleansed from any kind of rust or corruption. It was restored to what it was originally intended to be. It was refurbished and reassembled. And we learned that after we place our faith in Jesus, he begins the same kind of restoration project in our lives. And he starts with the engine, which is our heart. And what we're learning today is that as we look to the word of God, it keeps us kind of in his repair shop. It keeps us growing and learning and becoming refurbished in different areas of our lives. Here's an example. Here's the kind of repair manual that you might use if you are restoring a classic car. What's great about a manual like this is it's going to tell you how to remove each and every part, how to clean it, how to refurbish it, and then how to put it back together. In fact, I love this little line. This is an old book, but at the bottom it says here, thousands of crisp, clear illustrations. And I love that because it's just, it's practical. If you have this book and the tools and enough time, you could restore one of the cars that are described in the book. And scripture really is the same for us. If we'll stay in the word of God, it will restore our thoughts. If we'll renew our minds in God's living, breathing words here, it will rebuild our relationships. It will refurbish our finances and our habits, our legacy, all the different areas of our lives that have kind of gotten decayed or in disrepair can be repaired ultimately by the power of God. He's the one who does the work, but he has a guidebook, a repair manual, a love letter called the Bible. And let me share with you three things about it today. First is this, the same scriptures that led me to salvation, those scriptures will continue reshaping me and guiding me as I follow Jesus the Christ. So, you know, whether you realize it or not, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, there was some scripture along the way that God used to go down into your heart and, and bring about spiritual new life in you. Maybe it was the scripture where it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Maybe it was the scripture where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Maybe it was the scripture where God says that he so loved the world that he sent his only son Jesus so that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have the gift of eternal life. Maybe it was the scripture that says we're saved by grace through faith, not by our own works, that salvation's a gift of God. I don't know exactly which scripture it was, and you might not either, and that's okay, but there was some scripture, some eternal word of God from the Bible that you heard that went down into your heart that prompted you to say, yes, I need Jesus, and you reached out to him. And what we learned in the passage we read today is that the same scriptures that lead us to salvation, we've experienced their power in that way, they will continue to reshape us and to give power for our lives as we follow Christ. 
Well, let's look at where this comes from in our text. And, and here's really, again, Paul's talking to Timothy as a young leader, but these verses just capture so much my heart for you as a brother in Christ and as a pastor and a shepherd. Look at verse 14 where it says this, but as for you, you know, when your world shifts and shakes, God sees it and he's compassionate and he understands life is hard. And when your world shifts and shakes, it's hard. And he says, when that happens, continue in what you've learned. Continue in what you've become convinced of. You've known these holy scriptures in a way that led you to salvation. So now keep knowing them. And then look at verse 16. It says this, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for a number of things here. You know, God describes in another passage scripture as a meal that we actually eat. And God talks about this, that when each of us first place our faith in Christ, we're like a spiritual newborn baby. And, and just like a baby is very hungry, we need to start eating right away. But babies can't eat steak, can they? Babies have to start, because they don't have teeth yet, with milk. And there are parts of scripture that are like the milk. They're just rich and they're full of life. And, and we start there. And every time you gather here, we're feeding you the word of God. And what we're learning today is that as you keep gathering here and then throughout the week, as you start to feed yourself, you will grow stronger and stronger in this new way of life. And a few things will happen. One, it's practical for teaching. Uh, teaching is really about knowing the basics, kind of like we're doing in this series. So when someone says, well, who's Jesus? You kind of know, well, he's, I don't remember all the words, but I know he's God and man. And he had to be that to be the Messiah. Teaching is knowing the basics. And, and there's teaching when it comes to being a, a spouse in a healthy way, forgiving the people around you, living a life of love, overcoming your past shame and guilt and bitterness. There's basic teaching for all these different areas of our lives. The word of God, we're told, also can rebuke us. That's not a really popular word these days, rebuke. What's the idea of that? Is that a negative thing? It's actually a very positive thing. I'll give you an example of what rebuking is, okay? Um, do you guys know what Costco is? Any of you know how busy and crazy Costco parking lots can get? If you ever doubt, maybe you're here and you don't yet believe in God, okay? But I would like to offer proof that Satan definitely exists, okay? Just go to a Costco parking lot like any day in the week leading up to Black Friday, Thanksgiving, or you know, pretty much any time in like November, December, go to the Costco parking lot and you will see that the fall is real and evil is real and Satan is real, okay? Well, one time we were at, the Costco, we were at Costco and this was when our kids were pretty little. We were getting them out of the car and we had one kid who was kind of a runner. And you know, so we always try to hold that child's hand. Um, have you guys ever seen those families who put a leash on their kid? We never actually did that uh, just out of sheer embarrassment, but I think if I could go back in time, I, I might have just gone with a leash. Anyhow, great kid. We love this child, amazing child, future leader, but a lot of energy and sometimes a runner. And so uh, we, were at the we were at the Costco parking lot and we're getting out of the car and this kid just takes off right out in front of traffic. So as a parent in that moment, what is the loving thing to do? Is it to sing a gentle song? Is it to read a book? 
No, I mean, the most loving thing to do in that moment is to raise your voice and to grab that child with a very strong hand and yank them out of the way of the Chevy Tahoe that's about to run them over. (laughs) And that might not feel like love in that moment to that child, but that is an expression of love. And that's what a rebuke is. A rebuke, it's not a popular thing in our society or in this day and age, but very often a rebuke is an expression of love. There's actually a passage uh, in the book of Proverbs that says this, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Maybe lately you've had a good friend come to you and they told you something you didn't wanna hear about yourself, they rebuked you, and you've got this decision. Because people who don't love you will never tell you the hard things about you because they don't wanna deal with the conflict of working through it. But sometimes a person who really loves you will rebuke you. And what this looks like in our lives is, you know, you might be in your workplace and there's, there's someone you're very attracted to at your workplace, but you're married. And there's that just emotional connection, that kind of magnetic draw to that coworker. And, and there will come a time where either a Christian brother or sister or the word of God will speak to you and say, that is dangerous. If you keep going down that road, it will kill your marriage. It will destroy your legacy. It will cause pain for your kids that will live with them for decades and decades. And so you may need a rebuke at times in your life. I need a rebuke at times in my life. And the word of God, as we read it, it teaches us the basics, but it also, as we're going through life, there's times where the word of God grabs us with a strong arm and yanks us and raises its voice and says, don't do that. That will hurt you. That will harm you. That will hurt others. And so it's not always comfortable, but it is good and it leads to life. It's also the idea of correcting. And then it says the word of God can train us in righteousness or right living. And that word training is actually an athletic term for when someone's training, like training for a marathon. We've got the mini marathon crew here at our sports and fitness center who, God bless them, they will be out running when it's like 20 degrees out. That is not me, okay? I'm not gonna be outside running when it's 20 degrees. Um, But anyone who's trained for a marathon or really any physical activity, you, you learn that at first you might think, oh, I could never run five miles. But you train and you do, you know, one mile and then two and then three, and eventually you can do it. Uh, same with lifting weights, same with even other areas of life like saving money and other things. You train and you build up. And the idea is this, as you keep feeding on the word of God, it teaches you the basics, it corrects you and keeps you out of trouble, and then it trains you. And eventually, you will come up to a difficulty or a challenge in life, and you'll realize, you know what, three years ago, that challenge would have taken me out. Either that temptation or that difficulty, I wouldn't have been able to make it through that. But now, I've been training in the word of God, and it doesn't mean it's easy, but I was able to kind of jump over that hurdle. I was able to do that. And so just like the physical body can be trained and strengthened, your spiritual disciplines, your soul, your spiritual muscles can be trained. And the word of God is a guidebook to train you in your thoughts and in your decisions and even in your emotions and your relationships. Just as the restoration of a classic car is a process, Learning this new life in Christ, being refurbished in every area of our lives, it's a process. 
But if we'll stay submitted to the word of God, to the repair manual, it keeps us in that restoration process. And all this works together so that every domain, every dimension of your life gets restored one at a time. Well, many of you know I grew up in Michigan and I love walking outside, especially by creeks, by rivers, by lakes, just something about the water. And there's something I've noticed when I do that. I've noticed that there are often really big trees right at the edge of the water. Here's a picture of one such big tree. What does it take for a tree to get huge and healthy like this? Well, we know it takes sunlight. That's why the branches are reaching up to the sky and the leaves are doing their thing of absorbing the, the sunlight. We know it takes sunlight, but if you go to the desert where there's a lot of sunlight, you won't find these big trees. Why not? Because it takes a second ingredient and that is water. And I love this picture because you can see the roots of this tree. They're almost like reaching down, drinking that water. And that's why this tree is so strong and so big is because it's in a place where it's getting sunlight and it's getting water. There's a, a verse in Psalm chapter one. It says, blessed is the person who delights in the law of the Lord or the Bible. The person who says, whenever I have a decision, this is where I'm gonna look. God says that person will be blessed. And God says that person, their leaves will be green in life. Doesn't mean they won't go through storms, but their leaves will be green. And God says that person who delights in the law of the Lord, they will bear fruit in their season. And it's so interesting to me, I mentioned that this book we're reading, Second Timothy today, was written by Paul the Apostle. Now, Paul started out as a skeptic, which I love because I started out as a skeptic. His name was Saul and he hated Christians. He knew Jesus had lived, but he didn't believe Jesus was God. And then God appeared to him and he had this dramatic moment and he became a Christian. And then he actually became a servant of the church. And Paul started churches all over the ancient world. But this second Timothy, what we read today, it's his very final letter written to kind of his favorite spiritual son, Timothy, a protege. And he says, Timothy, I'm about to go to heaven. My race is nearly done. I'm, God's about to call me home. My body's gonna wear out and I'm gonna go be with God for eternity. And Timothy, here's my final advice. Here's the most important things for you to know. And within those most important things, Paul more or less says, when life gets crazy, when people around you discourage you, look to the word of God. It will nourish you. It will be water to your soul. It will keep your leaves green. It will allow you to bear fruit even in the storms of life. And so with that in mind, I'll share with you this second thing. When I choose to submit to it, when I choose to look to it and say, God, you tell me what to do in my marriage. I don't feel like loving my wife right now, but you tell me what to do and that's what I'll do. God, I don't know what to do in this dating relationship. I'm really attracted to this person, but they don't seem to care about you at all. You tell me what to do in that situation and I will obey you whether I feel like it or not. When we follow the word of God, it protects us from evil. It guides us into life. It transforms us for the better. Any area of life where you submit that area of your life to the word of God, you will grow to be a better version of yourself and it restores us to be what God desires, restores us to be what God desires. I showed you that uh, picture of the car repair manual. And 
to me, it was such an interesting idea because when you restore a car, you have to take off the old part, restore it, and then put on the new part. And there are actually passages of scripture where God says that. He'll say, take off lying, take off sexual immorality, take off greed, take off drunkenness, and put on love, compassion, gentleness, patience, self-control. He tells us what to take off and what to put on so that we can be restored and be refurbished. I wanna show you the picture of the Bible we'd love to give you today if you don't yet have one. Uh, This is called the Life Application Study Bible. And on your way out at our Connection Corner, we have these. If you don't yet have a Bible that you love reading, we would love to give you one today. Um, because really the way that you stay engaged with God's word so that it keeps restoring you, first and foremost, you keep gathering here like this. And secondly, when you get a copy of God's word for yourself, you can start feeding yourself meals throughout the week. And you can start, whether it's, if you're a night owl, you can do this at, at nighttime before you go to bed. If you're a morning person, you can do this with your coffee. If you're neither, If you're neither a night owl or a morning person, I guess you could read it on your lunch break, okay? But the point is this, you can start to feed yourself the word of God. And for me, the reason that I love this particular layout of scripture is there's a topical index in the back, meaning you can look up any topic. So if you're wondering, what do I do with my shame? What do I do with my lust? What do I do with my money? What do I do with my marriage? What do I do with my pain? You can look up that word alphabetically in the back and then it'll take you to passages where God speaks about that and then you can choose to apply what we're learning today. So we'd love to get you one of those if you don't yet have one. If you feel like, man, that is such a big old book, I'm really intimidated by it, know that I felt that way for a long time too. Uh, One of the reasons the book is so big is there's actually 66 books in there. They're just all compiled in one place. And um, I remember when I first started really trying to read the Bible for myself, I kind of choked on it because I started with the steak area and I didn't have my spiritual teeth yet. Um, and, and I got a little discouraged. And maybe you've done that before. Maybe you've tried to read the Bible and you kind of choked on it. And so if that has been you, I want to give you a little guidance of where to start. I'd encourage you to start with the Gospel of John. Um, and I'm biased toward that because it's my name, John. So, but there's actually a strategic reason for it as well. The Gospel of John is just a great summary of Jesus' life. And Jesus is really... When you're restoring a car, you put a picture up on the wall of what it'll look like when it's done. And Jesus is that picture. He shows us, here's what it looks like to be completely free from sin, free from shame, free from guilt, to find all of your identity and your relationship with God. Jesus models that. And his words are so full of life. So I'd encourage you to just get one of these if you don't have one yet. Start in the Gospel of John. And the other thing that really helped me is a friend told me, you don't have to read a whole chapter. You don't have to read a whole bunch. Just read until something makes sense. Uh, In my case, because I like to write, I got a little spiral bound journal at like a Walmart and I just put it with my Bible and I would just write the date and I'd write John 1 and I would read until something made sense. And then I'd write that verse down and I'd just pray a short little prayer in writing. You know, God help me to do this today. And then the next day I'd 
pick up. For me, I'm kind of a night owl, so I love to do this right before I go to bed at night. Again, if you're a morning person, have it with your coffee. Uh, It doesn't matter when you do it, but if you'll do it consistently, you'll find yourself growing. Well, here's the third thing I wanna share with you and the final thing. Because we love our God, we love his words to us. You know, a lot of us, we associate the Bible with this like, you know, ancient, harsh, just kind of list of rules, um, doesn't really affect our lives. But where I wanna encourage you is as a follower of Jesus, if you will look to the word of God as a love letter that guides you. I mean, Jesus said after he died on the cross, he rose from the grave. He told his followers, I'm going to prepare a place for you and I'm gonna give you everything you need to continue my work on earth. And really the primary things we need are each other, who keep us encouraged, his word, which is our guide, and his spirit, which lives in us and gives us power. Uh, And with those three things, you have everything you need to follow Jesus. And so look to it as a love letter. Love it because it expresses the heart of God. So three very simple applications. I've kind of covered them, but just think, I'll I'll list them here. Which one could could you commit to? Application one, keep doing what you did today. Wake up on Sunday and come to church or on Saturday night, join us. Keep doing what you did today. That is the easiest, simplest application. Second application, get a Bible for yourself. You can either pick one up at our Connection Corner. There's a great app called the YouVersion Bible, um, which has reading plans. You can listen to it on audio. It's a great way to read scripture as well. And I'll give you a third application, and that is getting around other believers like you're doing today but throughout the week and other times. Uh, For example, um, I love working on old Toyota Land Cruisers. That's like a four by four Jeep kind of SUV thing. And there's this forum online for Land Cruiser enthusiasts. And so there've been times in the past where I was stuck on a repair. I didn't know how to get that part off. And so I would go onto the forum and have my laptop out there in the garage and I'd figure out what I needed to do based on the experience of other people who had the same passion. And that's what our small groups are about here, is you get in a small group with some other believers and you say, I'm a little stuck. I'm trying to follow Jesus, but I don't know what to do with this area. You get in a small group and they say, oh yeah, we've been there, man. Uh, We've been there. And here's the passages of scripture that helped us. Here's the practical things that helped us. Another way you can get around a community of believers is by starting to serve. You might serve here on our welcome team at Connection Corner in Kid City, um, on the stage with worship or with production. There's a gazillion ways around here for you to serve. And when you do that, you get on a team with those other enthusiasts who will walk with you and say, here's what I did when I was facing that difficulty. Well, I just wanna close by encouraging you guys. I, I could tell you so many stories of my life after I found Jesus, or I should say he found me, uh, that the word of God met me when I was in a moment of crisis, a fork in the road where I needed help and direction and the word of God was there for me. I mean, I can go back and it's just story after story in my career, in dating relationships before I was married, in finding my purpose, in finding my identity, in dealing with injustice and what other people had done wrong to me, in my marriage once I got married, in my parenting when I realized parenting is really hard and I have no idea what to do, in my wounds from other broken people, when I've been in the hospital with health struggles, 
all these different crises and forks in the road and moments of decision, the word of God has guided me and it's never let me wrong, led me wrong. It always leads me to be a better version of myself. So that's my heart for you. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, even when the world shakes and shifts around us.